Hi everyone. Okay, thanks, Boo. <laughs> Great. What we have here, Sheriff, is a failure to communicate. Uh, yeah. Yay, outtakes. <laughs> You All know right. what? That would be cool. You should do outtakes at the end of this episode. Uh, at the end of your episodes, do outtakes. Are you kidding? We don't edit our episodes like as is. <laughs> like Michael needs more work, right? <laughs> yeah, he's 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 not he's not as good as Dan. Thanks, thanks, guys. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> That's not true. I mean, they may be the original, but you know, only as, as things they add on, things improve. So you're you're the you're you're like um, across the airways point oh two. Oh cool. We're Dan and Nico are the Dan and Nico are the Backstreet Boys. We are in sync, periodically. Oh, thank God we're not One Direction. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, what a nightmare. Okay, I have no idea who those are. <laughs> they are. I'm so old. Boy bands. Are we so old? Yeah, we're recording. Why not? Why okay. not? Why not? All right. Um, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll actually start us off now. Uh, hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Across the Airways Retro Reviews. This week on Retro Reviews, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be talking Klana. One of the most hated and controversial things in all of Smallville history. I am your host, Michael J. Petty, and with me is my co-host. Woo as Kim, and I think we're drifting off into Randomville again. No kidding. And with us tonight... We're even five minutes into this thing and we're random. <laughs> yes, as always. And with us tonight, it, by popular demand, is our guest star... Elisa Lee, and I'm in demand. Oh, that's great. I'll have to up my salary. I'll have to ask for a raise. Oh, oh. Um, actually, I would have to interject here. Uh, she's here by my request <laughs> because I didn't want, I didn't want you guys talking about probably the most hated, one of the most hated things in Smallville history. Okay. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> wow. You know what? So I'm here to keep you guys out of trouble. <laughs> she. So you're saying people and don't. Really, this is going to be a relationship podcast, though. Yeah. It's going to be about a relationship. But, Wu, you're, you're you guys so... talking about a relationship? You know. Wu, are you saying people well, you don't want her back? I think, I, think they want, I think they wanted Chloe to be Lois and Chloe to kill Lana. I think that's what they really wanted. What? <laughs> Chloe's Lois, X. <laughs> uh, well, didn't, didn't she try and kill Lana at one time? Oh, everyone's oh, tried yeah. to kill Lana at one time. They've all failed, sadly. And everyone's tried to kill Clark at least one time. And pretty much the main characters of Smallville, all three of them, have been trying to be killed. And what I mean by all three, I mean Lana, Clark, and Lex. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for that. I don't care. That's only Alan Miles' run. So if that's what we're talking about, that's fine. Because after that, Lana and Lex were kind of, eh. Anyway, until for now. I want to get, I want to give a shout out to two of our mutual friends. Actually, all three of us know these people: Damien Holbrook and Robin Burge. Both had birthdays this past week. Oh, did they? Oh, very good. Happy yeah. birthday, guys! Mr. Happy birthday, Mr. Burge, who was on one of the uh, Across the Airwaves episodes. He yeah. made a surprise uh, appearance. Yeah, you were you were talking with us. We talked with them, didn't we, Elisa? 
was great. Yes, we did. He was very sweet. For Robin is the czar of the podcasting world. If you ask him to record, he'll record. Like, when you're done talking with him on Twitter, like, two minutes later, he's on Skype. Okay, let's record. Oh, yeah. It was literally that fast. It was great. Yeah. It really was. I actually wanted to talk a little bit about this extended Arrow trailer that I sent you guys. Did you guys get my tweet about that? Yeah, I did see Two that. Oh, I didn't see it, sweetie. I'm sorry. Oh, but you can tell me about um, it. Um, basically, it looks like Green Arrow begins. Arrow year one. Yeah, I mean, pretty much it really looks a lot like Batman Begins, which worries me. It really worries me. Why does that worry you? Because people are going to think that aren't in the middle. Oh, they're just ripping off Batman, blah, 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 blah. Well, then I would... totally wrong. I would like to redirect them to year one. Green Arrow year one. Because that's like exactly what this is. I to Mike Rowe's Longbow Hunters. Well, yeah, that too. Absolutely. Oops, yeah. sorry guys. Sorry about that. I closed Skype. I didn't realize it'd make that noise. I'm sorry. I didn't hear anything, so don't worry about it. Yeah, you're fine. Okay. Well, okay. okay. well you know, yeah. I mean, you gotta have a, I mean, Green Arrow, for us, we know who that is, but a lot of, um, you know, the casual, um, you know, fans, TV fans, aren't gonna know who he, who he is. So, uh, to me, it sounds like they're uh, starting out with a, um origin story of Green Arrow, which makes sense to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty much what we saw in that one season eight episode, episode three of season eight, just like taking on a lot, a lot darker turn to me. Would that be fair to say, Penny? Yeah, I, I definitely would think so. I think it's going to be a lot like. Um, do you remember that CGI cartoon thing that Smallville had during season six? Which no one liked but you. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, <laughs> I think it's going to be kind of like that, too. Yeah. Well, the cast, and at least, Lee, you've heard, you've heard the names of the cast, right? You know who's going to be in this thing. Oh, and the Green Arrow? Um, I've seen the pictures. I don't know their names. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with most of them other than the main guy, Stephen, what's his last name? Amel? Yeah. That's how you pronounce it? Yep. It's yep. a good cast. It's a strong cast. I mean, they're cast. pretty people. They're pretty people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you're pretty people. It's on this. It's it's you know, I mean, it's like a Smallville. If you you, you had to be pretty to be on that show. What do you think about them changing the name from Star City to Starlit or whatever? Petty? Starling City. Eh. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a cop out to me, but in some ways, it's no different than Metropolis being in Kansas. Well, it's no different than what they did in Lewis and Clark. They changed a lot in Lewis and Clark. Oh, yeah, they did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Katie Cassidy, by the way, who's playing the Dino Lands kind of character of my future wife, by the way. Here we go. So you're, are you, are you, uh, I was going to say, I was going to say, um, you're replacing, uh, um, her name has just left my head. <laughs> um, um, the woman who played on Smallville, the redhead you like. Oh, well, um, Cassidy Freeman? Cassidy Freeman, thank you. Are you replacing her? 
no, 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 no. I'm just saying if Katie Cassidy was in front of me right now, I'd go to the nearest ring store I could get. Maybe even look inside Cracker Jack boxes for rings and use them, use them for a makeshift and, you know, make her an honest woman, so to speak. Wow. But that's all for my own personal. She isn't a honest woman now? Woo. You are doing a terrible job at wooing this person. <laughs> do, we need to, do, we need to, do, do we need to talk about your dates again, Petty? Okay, it was her idea to see the Avengers, to be fair. <laughs> I wasn't talking about the picnic. Okay, yeah, well, sappy romantic, sorry. Yes. Whatever. Tony S on your chest. I wish. I wish. I wish. I think. For what I've seen, Arrow, I do like it. I hope it gets a good. I think it's going to be the pilot. David Nutter's directing it, and David Nutter doesn't do any bad work, as far as I'm concerned. And all his pilots are wonderful. Yeah, and all his pilots, you know, the the series take off. Some might not last long, but they've all gotten picked up. If this lasts at least a season, I think I could be fine with that. To be honest, I want it to go longer, obviously, but I'm fine with the season. Honestly, and this is the point I was gonna bring up because I wanted to bring it up, and I, I, I hope it does better than Birds of Prey did. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I wouldn't mind if they went one season, but I wish it got more because there's a lot of good material here. Well, and it was setting so much up for season two. Birds of Prey was. I mean, it would have been great. The problem was they teased yeah, Batman too many times. Yeah, and, you know, the, the, by the time Birds of Prey was out, that was the wrong time to tease Batman just because of the, the Nolan property. But the reason I bring this up, the Green Arrow thing, the, the Green family in the new Green Arrow show, at least the exterior anyway, looks, it is the Luther Mansion. It is. Which is awesome. And I'm not kidding you, Elisa Lee. Uh, I have to go take a look. I'm, I'm trying to do, do some research here while you guys are talking. And um, I'll tweet it to you later. It's exactly the Luther match. It's the same building. But didn't they everything. burn it down? No, that was CGI. Didn't, didn't they burn it? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I was thinking in the corner, of, uh, in the back of my mind, I, I told our mutual friend James Hansen this. I was like, wow. The Queens do build things faster than the Luthers do, huh? No kidding. And here's the thing I like about the Green Arrow show more than anything. I like the family dynamic that's already in place. It's kind of mixing the Luthers and the Kents together in that perspective, you know? Which is really interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Should we talk a little bit about the other DC news we found out recently? Well, there is one other piece of DC news that I don't think you know about. Oh. It pertains to... Huh, I know, sorry, it sounded stupid. Um, this pertains to E3, the, um, the gaming convention that happened here in Los Angeles. Apparently, like, I think at the beginning of next year or the summer of next year, DC and Warner Brothers 
the creators of Mortal Kombat are making a um, yep. DC Comics fighting fighting game called Injustice. Yep, I've seen the trailer for that. That looks awesome. Yeah, and Bane looks amazing. Is that a really use Bane? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Bane is scary. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm talking too much. No, 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 no. I was just going to say Bane is scary. Every time I see him, even on uh, the trailers for the current Batman, Bane to me is what um, uh, Manta is to to MJ there. Bane just, ooh, he just, he's got too much muscles. He's huge. He's just, oh, he's, he's a scary guy. British Darth Vader, as I like to call him. Mm-hmm. British Darth Vader. Just imagine this guy working at a Sonic driving. Oh my gosh. You know, you're what? ordering your chili cheese cater tots at Sonic Striving, and the window opens and it's Bane. Oh, that would creep me out. It'd be worse if it was Black Mana, but that would freak me out too. Worst thing ever. More worse than seeing Lindsay Lohan's Kirby. I like that movie. Never mind. That's. <laughs> <laughs> No. What was your DC news, Matt? Mine was the official announcement of a new in-development Justice League film. Oh, when was that? That was... A couple days ago. No, that was last week. Um, was it last week? I've been, i got to get out of my studying. I've been studying HTML. Studying, it's like learning a new language, and I just got lost in it. Oh, <laughs> so... I haven't even had a chance to listen to them. It does take time. Anybody that's done computer programming, HTML, it's like Mandarin and Portuguese mixed together. And you're trying to figure Thank it you. Out. Yeah, the guy who's... You're right. That's exactly... I couldn't have described it better, Wu. I mean, it's just like... And then you learn the language, and you got to put another language inside that language. And then you got to put another... Oh, man. It's... Um, I didn't mean to bore anybody with that. I was just like, usually I'm up on that stuff because I listen to so many podcasts and stuff, and I just haven't had a chance to like this last week. Yeah, to be honest, I haven't. Like not jumping for joy at this DC Justice League news, but I'll believe it when I see a director, a trailer, some stars, you know, something tangible. Well, that's technically what we said about Justice League Mortal, and then they canceled it. But. This one's being written by the guy who wrote Gangster Squad, Will Beal, and apparently the guys who wrote, uh, wrote wrote Green Lantern are now writing the Wonder Woman film. Which I know everybody's gonna jump for joy. Okay. Jump for joy. Let Let's talk about this for a second. Green Lantern is not a bad movie. You're the only one I know who likes it. I am not the only one who likes it. Trust me. Well, I'm saying you're the only one I know. What is people's problem with that movie? Like, well, what's their thing? It, have you seen it, Elisa Lee? Um, I've seen parts of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. I think the CGI okay. work is awesome. Yeah. Okay, but remove that from it. What, what can you remember from it? I know you've only seen it. Uh, well, I, I don't know a lot about Green Lanterns. Um, I didn't realize that they were such an honorable race. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know what happened there, sorry. Um, 
an ad popped up. Sorry about that. Um, are you still there? Yep. Yeah, we're here. Hello? Yep, we're yeah, here. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Podcasting at its, at its finest, folks. <laughs> you only cannot find it across the airwaves. You, you humans okay, I'm are sorry, special. you guys there? Yep. Yes, we're here. Okay, I'm sorry. An ad popped up and I hit my I hit my mute button. Um, um, I, what I really like about them and what I've learned from listening to you guys talk about them on um, um, DC Nation is I didn't realize it was they were such an honorable race. I didn't realize I didn't know a lot about Green Lantern, so it was it was interesting to learn how the rain works and um, how it chooses people and. Um, I thought Dan made a good point. He was like he wished Superman had um, become a Blue Lantern or that one of them would choose him. I didn't realize all the different colors meant different things. So I think what I what I got from it was all the new lore I learned from it, which was very interesting to me. And, um, you know, I thought Reynolds was good. Um, I think people are right. He would have been better as The Flash. He would have been better as Yeah. Um, it was, it was, it, you know, what I've seen, I liked. It's just, it's, I'm just such a Superman person. Yeah. And it was all new to me. So the Green Lantern stuff was new to me. And so it was, it was, it's, you know, the parts I've seen, it's been fun to see. But I don't know. I just, I, I'm, I'm a Superman and I love Batman too. So I don't know. That, that, that was my big thing was, you know, I didn't realize what it was all about and learning the different lore about it. Here's my problem with Green Lantern the movie. I have no problem with Green Lantern the character. I've said it before, you could, if DC wanted to do this in like a university, you could set up an entire just Green Lantern class. That's how much mythology goes into all the Green Lantern films. Well, right, which is why I don't understand. I don't know they retconned everything. Which is why I don't understand why people don't like the movie. I mean, I understand. It's bland. It's bland. Okay, expand. It is really, it's really bland. It's bland. I don't buy the main character. I don't prefer. And part of that goes into I don't buy Reynolds as the Green Lantern, like Derek Russell said, our mutual friend Derek Russell. I don't buy any of the characters. I don't buy the struggles. Um. There's just a lot of things I just don't buy. I wasn't rooting for him. And I'm sorry to be like a classicist about this, but if it's a superhero movie, aren't you supposed to like, connect with the superhero more than anyone else? More than the villain. And I wasn't even with the villain. Ironically enough, Amanda Waller was the only thing in there that, you know, got some emotion out of me. Because that stuff was creepy. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I understand that. If you've seen the director's cut, you kind of relate to Hal more, to be honest. It, it really gets more into Hal's character in the director's cut. The theatrical version really doesn't do it as much justice, to be honest. Yeah, and I'll just say right now, I've said that on the show before, if, if, if that actually happens where the director's cut is... um makes you empathize more with your main character, you did a bad job. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even being funny, you did a bad job. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, let's equate it to this. What if they did that with Batman Begins or with Smallville's pilot? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the long silence here pretty much proves my, my point. I mean, like, what if they did that with Batman Begins? Would we, would we like, be praising Nolan as much as we do? I guess not. Because you need to empathize with Bruce Wayne. You have to. Yes. I agree. The worst character crime of all time, and I'm and Penny, you and my friend uh, Heather Azami agree. You hate Grant Morrison. You both hate Grant Morrison. So there's something you can like cling on to. But if you don't buy into Bruce Wayne's parents, and if you don't empathize with that, if you just like glib about that whole thing, you kill the character. I completely agree with that. I, I do. I do. And the first time I saw Green Lantern, it's kind of how I felt, and I knew I never wanted to see it again. I won't I won't lie. But I did, and I watched the director's cut, and it's different. It feels different the more time I, I think those guys, the writers you mentioned that are writing Wonder Woman and writing the Arrow series shouldn't even mention they worked on Green Lantern just to save their credibility. To be honest, if they redeem themselves, I'd be. be I wouldn't mind. If they just do a yeah, better job. That's only. That's only if they redeem themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting off my soapbox now. No, you it's fine. Wanted to, you wanted to talk. You wanted to talk about Smallville. Yes. Season eleven. Yes. Okay. You read it recently. I'm sorry? The most recent edition of season oh, 11. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, and then I fact, I've got both the comics. I love it. Absolutely love it. It's so wonderful. Initial Just, thoughts about I the cliffhanger we got. The cliffhanger. Um, you know what? It's, you know, he does, uh, my, Brian Q. Miller. He knows how to make us want the next issue so badly. You know, you just want it in your hands right then and there. I mean, Hank Henshaw, who is uh, one of, I mean, he's, he's an, a character, he's a villain that you can relate to, so to speak. He's someone who has been damaged so badly and he blames Superman for everything, which, you know, I mean, that's what makes him a good villain is, you know, it's not like, it's not like black and white. This is a man who has suffered and suffered in the pages of the comic books. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they do it um, in season 11. And, um, you know, that last panel where uh, Lex Luthor's like Superman and I are about to have a very interesting conversation. And even though he knows Clark Kent, this is his first, this is the first face-to-face -face encounter with him and Superman, which isn't a different character, but he's going to be viewing him very differently. And so I'm, I'm very interested to see what that conversation is going to be like. I mean, I just, to know, I don't know, I just, I, I, I'm so anxious for the next issue, and I, I hate it when they skip a week. It just drives me nuts. But, um, who do you think the invader is? I don't know. Is? I'm just loving the issues. I'm sorry? Who do you think the alien invader is? Uh, 
I think, like like I said on Twitter to you, I think Dan's right. I think it's a future version of Mrs. Henshaw. Really? I'm going to tell you, I'm saying Halo. Master Chief from Halo. Yes, I'm saying Halo. Halo, the video game character. Oh. I don't know about that. I've never heard of that. The game? Was anybody thinking, like, um, Harvey did Dark Knight when they... When you see Henshaw in the shuttle? A little bit. Okay, I wasn't the only one thinking it. Yeah. I was, I was thinking it, but like, No, not me! Rachel! Rachel! <laughs> That's kind of how it felt a little no. bit. No! You're right. You are right. Well, the way we empathize with Henshaw is very much how we empathize with Johnny Corbin, um, Notorious B.A.G. Brian Austin Green in season nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brian Humor was really drawing to Metallo with Hank Henshaw, and I like how there's a lot of subtext with his character when he gets saved. Yeah. Like he's not happy to see the Man of Steel. Yeah, when when uh, Superman's talking to him um, through the microphone, he just says, "Go ahead and save the damn day." You can tell he's resentful that he actually needs Superman's help. Um, he, you know, whether it's pride or whether it's he feels like he's as a as the um, captain of the ship, he should be the one to do it. Um, he he's he's not real happy with Superman being there. I mean, I don't know. It's just, I felt I felt like he resented it a little bit, and um, the fact that the last thing he saw before he passes out is that big red S on uh, Clark's chest, and that it, he had to have Superman save him. I don't know. Um, it just seems like to me before he even meets Superman, he's not a real big fan. Although he, you know, he could take him or leave him. He tells Clark in that interview he does. Um, that was a very interesting conversation between the two of them and how differently they both view heroics. Where as Clark is there to help when he's needed, as far as when nobody else can do the job, and Henshaw is more proactive. You know, he needs to stop the wars. He needs to. Uh, be more proactive and more in control and Clark is very clear about the fact that he's not God It's not Superman's job to make decisions for other people He's there to stop tragedy. He's there to stop big events He's there to help out when nobody else can in a situation, but he's not going to Play God with other people's lives. He's tried that before with you know, he knows that doesn't work He knows it he doesn't it, it, it catches up with you because, you know, he's not God. You know, he's got these powers. He's he's incredible. He's got, but he's got that moral compass too. And that's what I think we were waiting for all those ten seasons was for him to find that moral compass. Um, or actually, in the tenth season, he pretty much had it. You know, but for nine seasons, through his parents, through his experiences, through Lois Lane, through good and bad people he's met. You know what is the right and good thing to do well he wants to be an inspiration for good he doesn't want to force people to do good he can't he can't anyways mm-hmm. you know um, you know you can you can go and stop a war 
if you want, but what do you have to do to do that? You have to threaten both sides with um, whatever to get them to stop. And even then, people are not going to be forced to do stuff they don't want to do. Well, and Superman... I I was going to say, and Superman doesn't go to pick fights. I mean, that's what the new 52 Superman might do, but that's not what Superman is supposed to do. That's not the point. Which I know you have issues with. Well, right. I mean, that's my point. I mean, the way they're writing him now is not how he should be. I mean, he's exactly what you're saying, Lisa Lee. And, you know, they're getting it wrong. Smallville got it right. Smallville gets it right, even to this day, with season 11. I mean, it's the only Superman book I can really read anymore because it's Superman. I mean, and I can read Superman Beyond and Superman Family Adventures, too. But, I mean, this is Superman to me, not the other books. I think we're... I think what we're going through now is like Silver Age version 2 in terms of what Superman is. Because let's face it, a lot of people in, in in the Silver Age, because I've done research on this, hated Superman during this time. Batman wasn't that much better, but you know, Superman, like, I don't do a great Grant Morrison impression with the accent, but he, he wasn't a patriot. He was, you know, friends with the, from the third century pet issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does feel like we're going to celebrate version two, where you know Superman is a, he looks like Superman, but it's not Superman. Well, the thing is, I wouldn't mind if it were more of an origin story, and we were building up to him becoming Superman, like in Smallville. But they've fully established him as Superman, and they're saying he's not going to change. That's well, what he. I'm sick of origin stories. I'm getting sick of them. Everybody and their mother is getting origin stories. Okay. I agree. I agree, but, you know. I mean, I mean, do not do origin stories of established characters. The Hobbit is different what's going to be in the winter because, you know, there's been enough time and, you know, it does fill gaps. But for God's sake, let's just... Let's just get everything going and just don't worry about origins. You can only rip off Godfather Part 2 like so many times before it gets dull. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, like you said, he's once, once he's got that suit on, I mean, when he's learning to be Superman, when he's learning, when he's Clark Kent and he's making his mistakes, he's not wearing the suit, but once he's got that suit on... He's got to be. He's got to be that wise Superman who is, you know, who has the experience behind him to know what to do, because that's what makes people believe in him. But I kind of disagree a little bit. I mean, in, but in this version, he's only had that suit on, well, his his second suit, let's say, for only a couple months. He's only been in the public eye now for only a couple months. Well, not. He doesn't. He. Yeah. It, in action, yeah. In the public yet. eye. In action, yeah. In public yet. eye. Yeah. In public <laughs> eye. Yes. I mean, it's easy being, it's easy being like the monogram, leather jacket, blur, leaving your mark everywhere. It's different when you actually have to interact with people. Yeah. Which is why Ali and, you know, Bruce don't do that. Yeah, the, the thing with that is, though, Will, is that 
Yes, he's only he's new in action comics. He's still new to it, and that's fine. But in Justice League and in Superman, he's been doing it for years. I, I was talking about Smallville specifically. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Uh, I'm talking. Yeah, I, I was talking about this character in Smallville. Um, I think all these bear guys are like related to Harvey Bullock in some way, because they all kind of sound like Harvey Bullock to me. That's another <laughs> story. Um, here's what I think about all these guys that are kind of jealous of Superman. It's like. I don't know. I don't know how big of sports fans you guys are, but it's like being on the same team with Wayne Gretzky, and Wayne Gretzky accidentally injures you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's from the same point of your second tier. You're on the same team with Wayne Gretzky, and he is responsible partly for injuring you. That's how I feel about these guys, and I understand fully how that feels. It's like, you're good, but you're never going to be Superman good. Like with Hank Henshaw, you mean? That's where that fairness comes in. So you mean like with Hank Henshaw, right? with Lex, too. And Lex, okay. Yeah, with Hank Henshaw. That makes sense. Michael Bailey said once, the one bad day... I mean, the seeds were already there with John Corbin and with um, Hank Henshaw. And, but I also wanted to get into how this felt like an episode of Superman the Animated Series and mm-hmm. pointing out Christine Chen, Angela Chen. Yes. Anybody get that reference? Absolutely, I did. Yeah. And the most I smiled when I said, Ooh, this is absolutely impossible. Who can save them? No kidding. Did you hear the music too? Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Well, I think there's a better if we actually saw that live action. If that's what we get in Man of Steel, I will be very happy. Yes. And speaking of live action, Erica Durant has actually started her new show just this past week. Congratulations to her. Has anyone seen that? No, I will, though. Okay. Let me know how it is. Yeah. Um, I loved the whole... Really, there was no dialogue. Last week was really dialogue heavy in terms of the episodes. This was just all panel, 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 action, action, action. I think that's what next week's going to be. I think it's going to be more dialogue and then all the action, action, action again fourth week, which is the last yeah. part of Guardian. Fourth month. Nothing, I mean. really to, nothing really more to cover other than what I... Nothing really more to cover than what um, happens with, with the end with Lex and Otis. Mr. Lupo. Mr. Lupo. Mr. Lupo. Love Otis. Love Otis. He's yet to gain the weight he's going to gain later. No kidding. I just want him with like a like a Wendy's burger in his hand or like a soft soft drink cup. He need, Lex needs to have a secret base under the uh, LexCorp Tower or whatever it's called and he can get to it by a train. That's what we need. Yeah. 
That's what and, we needed right there. And because, of, and because of Tesco's, you're sick. Sick, 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 sick. Exactly. <laughs> that would be so great. I would laugh I so hard. By the, by the pool. Get out of my head, sis. I would cheer so hard. But, uh, <laughs> I, I would too. What do you think Lex means? Do you think he's planning to, like, stab Callow? Stab him? Doubtfully. I don't think so as of yet. Or make some kind of threat. Because it does sound like he's in brawl mode almost. He's like almost ready for brawl mode. Well, I think he thinks he, he has the upper the hand. Purple gauntlet, well, if he, starts, if he comes out wearing like the purple gauntlet, I'm out of here. <laughs> and the green battle suit? Um, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Which is horrid looking. Yeah. Well, I mean, he. It sounds like to me he was expecting this have a confrontation confrontation with Superman, and according to um, Hank Henshaw, um, this was you know it the it wasn't a misfire that happened on the ship, so I have a feeling Lex was trying to get Superman's attention. I'm sorry, I have to say, where, I think I mentioned it in comics before, when has there ever been a successful launch of a spaceship in comic books? Well, I, there was on Young Justice on Saturday. <laughs> you see my point, though. Very rarely do, does everything go off without a hitch. Well, Black Manta did try and blow up uh, the rocket. Yeah, I mean, has there ever been an uniformed launching of a spaceship in comic books? And I'm not even no, I haven't yet. I've be downloaded. I haven't watched it yet. You will be so happy. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. You will be ladies, so happy. Ladies, okay. ladies, ladies, please, ladies. Woo, you need to get on that show, too. They'll probably show reruns over the summer. I'm telling but, you, um, buddy, it's just as good as the Justice League. I'm not going to delve into peer pressure again. Yes, you are. I think at least Lee's heard that. How far are you in Chuck, by the way? I've given up on that show. I just don't have time. Curses. I just don't have time. Because we might cover a new show in the fall. That's true. That's true. I'll give you that one. Yeah. Um, before we move on to our climate discussion, because we need to get there, I love Superman's Light and Lois. Um, I have a message from Clark Kent. He's not going to be making it to, to breakfast. I love that old school thing of people know that Clark knows Superman and he's friends with uh, Superman's friends with Lois and Clark. I love that dynamic that he's playing it up. I love, I love this new spin on it. Mm-hmm. I love. I just love the idea that um, Lois, um, Clark Kent's not going to be here for breakfast. Um, he's not going to be around. Yeah. I like that. I like the. You know, I I like the fact that she's she fell in love with Clark first, and that you know, she um 
diving into the Klana stuff and how different it is from Clois. Clois, when she found out the secret, she waited for him to tell her. I mean, and that's not easy for Lois. She knows, I don't think she really tried to trick him or anything like that to tell her, or she didn't resent it when he chose not to. She respected his decision, unlike somebody else. And so, Okay, let's get into it right now. Um, <laughs> okay. Before we, before we get into this, Lana Lang, in all, in all respect to her, is one of the oldest um, Superman characters ever. Correct. Right along with all your standards. Right along with Lois, actually. Well, she was... Well, Lois was before, before she was... Lois yeah. was before well, Lana, though. Lana was but introduced not, in the Silver Age. But she's not far off. But she's not far off from what I'm saying. Lana was Silver Age. The Lana... And Michael Bailey said this, Professor Michael Bailey said this on a recent episode of Shoe I was listening to. Lana was given the greatest service by Smallville, but maybe the greatest disservice. But I don't think that's Kristen Kirk. Kirk's fault. I agree. Oh no, I agree. I, I, Kristen Kirk is fine. She's she's a good actress. I like her. I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and as a matter of fact, when I was doing research, I was list, I, I was reading some of the things she said. I think the first three seasons she was a little frustrated, and then she said by the fourth season, I was just like, I'm just going to go with the flow, you know, just because she she would get a little frustrated at the writing and and you know how they portrayed her character, but then she realized it wasn't worth the the ulcer, and so she just you know. I mean, that's what that was my take from what I was reading about what she said. She just you know, and. Um, and honestly, yeah. she realized this isn't her show. This is Rosen's show. Yes. This is Rosenbaum. And to some extent, this is Rosenbaum's show. This is not, this is not, you know, a lot of ancient. Never, never will be. And I, think, and I think she was smart enough to realize that. I will say, Lana, this is Lana's storyline in a nutshell, just in, in her character and in her relationship with Clark. She's Clark's first love. It didn't work out. There you go. The end. We'll see you next week on Across the Airwaves. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> up until Beauty and the Beast. Up until Smallville. Up until Smallville. That hadn't changed at all. With Smallville, you actually got an actual character out of Lana Lane. And I give credit to Kristen Kern, more so than Alan Miles. Because, uh, quite honestly, I don't know if they knew how to write Lana Lang. Now, one, one second, before we can, before I let you continue on that. I think we should also give some credit to John Byrne, because I just recently reread his Man of Steel run, because I'm waiting for the movie to come out. And I believe that he characterized Lana pretty well as well. In my he opinion. characterized everybody very well. Well, absolutely. But I'm saying that was like the, the most real, non-transparent characterization we've got in, up until maybe Superman the Animated Series in Smallville. Well, that's the one everybody looks towards. That one and the daughter version, quite honestly. Everybody borrows from those two concepts. Well, that's why everybody didn't like Jim Johns and Superman. Donner. Superman 3 is not Donner. Just saying. Well, 
Well, that's another. Well, that's another thing. But you get my point. Um, in terms of a relationship with Clark, Clark and Lana, it was the Dawson's Creek of that show, and everybody knows what I mean by that. <laughs> yeah. When is when are they gonna get together? When are they going to you know fight the bullet that actually get together? And here's a lesson for all you writers. I know Penny writes. I don't know. Elisa, you write anything? Do not do that. If you're going to write a relationship, a love relationship, do not beat around the bush too much or you're going to get a lot of ink clogged. And yes, that's offensive, but it's the truth. Sadly. Um, You know, it's... No, I agree with you because I think whether you like the individual characters or not, the Lana Clark thing got so old you just i mean the t- every time i see them on on the screen together i just roll my eyes i fast forward you know because i knew what they were going to say you know it was the same thing over and over again you, i don't know if either of you watched cheers i don't know if either of you watched cheers but everybody I did, called, I did some but everybody talks about the sam and diane syndrome on cheers but why and clark took that to a whole new level of just bad and quite honestly, and I'll, and I'll modernize it for Penny because he's probably not seen shoes. It's it's like Leonard and Penny on Big Bang Theory now. Oh, really? But you can get away you, you can get away with that on a sitcom because you can like release that with funny. You can't do that in a drama. Right. It's gonna make it's gonna drive people nuts. Right. Which it did. Agreed. Because. There's, there's only so much drama you can write out of it because the audience is smart. They're gonna be saying, they're gonna be saying, why, why don't these people just walk away from each other? Because I don't even think they know why they love each other. And you know what? I'll make that argument right now. I don't think Lana and Clark, which I respected Lana for saying when she came back in a uh, bride. When she said maybe Clark and Lana Lang were meant to be together, I don't think they even know why they were together. I I, Honestly. I I would have to agree with you because I mean I understood and I think they did in seasons one through three or four why, but after that I think it was more of a I don't really know I don't even know how to explain I'll go, it. I'll go timeline from I'll go timeline to timeline. Small world. season one they were attracted to each other. Um, I, one of my favorite scenes in pilot is Clark, like, stumbling, fumbling in front of Rana when he first sees her, and I'll, and I'll reference that scene again when we get into the last meeting, or the last scene together. Um, I, I love their relationship in season one, because the reason why they weren't together in season one is very simple. Whitney's there. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And Eric Johnson did a great job with um, playing that guy, but not playing like Brad from Superman the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you liked Whitney, you understood why. And I loved how, I loved Clark's integrity, even though I wouldn't have done it, what he did in um, the one episode where, I think it was the Blood Drive episode, where 
he could have got Lana, but he didn't go for it. Mm-hmm. I respected him for that. But when we get in, because it's kind of like tit for tat with Lana Clark in season one. I, I did love Lana when she was under the influence of the Nicodemus flower when she was in that hot outfit. Yes. She just asked Clark straight out, are you in love with me? That was great. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's old school. Like, hello. I literally just watched that last week. Great episode. One of the best ones from season one. Oh, yeah. That and Zero. And, yeah. Um, but I like I the friendship between the two of them. First of all, well, let's just face it. Clark overthinks Lana too much, and here's what his infatuation with Lana was. He was she was the first girl that he ever saw. He fell in love with her because he didn't know her that well. End of story. And I don't really blame him for that. We've all had that in our lives. Yeah. Well, I think he projected his ideal of what he wanted to be normal onto her. He once he realized that he was. Yeah, that's what she represented in him, I think, for a lot of years. Absolutely. That's a great way to put and it, actually. Lana's attraction to Clark is pretty much the exact same thing. Yeah, because of her whole family uh, history. Because Clark yeah, has her family. Maybe not a, not a, not a blood-related family, but he, he's got a mom and dad. Oh, yeah. He's He's got something stable. May not look like it from the, may not actually be it, but from the outside it actually is. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, the fact that the one thing that Lana hated about Clark keeping secrets kept her interested. It's not true. so different from Chloe. Chloe is that stuff annoys the hell out of her, which we saw in her relationship with Oliver. Mm-hmm. Which we see in other canons. But when we get into season two, her whole thing is, how did I survive that tornado and Clark was there? Yeah. And, you know, I think they split them up enough to the point where it wasn't like an every week thing like it was with um, season one. I did like the interactions when Jonathan Taylor Thomas came on board. Mm-hmm. For that one episode, the like the guy that could split himself in two. Oh yeah, that he was weird. He, he came back. That, like, conver- I like that conversation between the two of them. I did, and I also and I also love keeping them apart for most of the season until he gets whacked with the red kryptonite again the second time and Lana throws the water on him which I find really funny <laughs> yeah and of course there was that one episode when he first put on the red key when he was like you know rebel without a cause pretty much he was hot he was just hot I'm sorry <laughs> you want a female version of that he was just hot <laughs> Well, that's how I felt about Lana. That's what I felt about Lana and Nicodemus. So can you go? Yeah. There's just something hot about when he goes bad. I mean, I know, I know you don't want him to stay that way, but 
And quite honestly, Wyoming loves that. And here's a good time for this sidebar. I was thinking in the in the back of my mind because I love the episode Luther. What if because we pretty much established in Luther that Chloe just never moved to Smallville. What if you know Lana Lang in Smallville, Smallville Earth Three was like the equivalent of Lana's friends of um, Clark Luther's friends with benefits? Well, I mean, he was with the ladies, that's for sure. It well, I, I really wish Kristen Kirk would have been in that episode just for that one thing in the bed. Well, the problem with that is, is that Clark probably never went to Smallville High. He probably never met Lana Lang. But really, does that matter? Yeah. To Clark Luther? Yes. Well, it would, because Lana would be a completely, completely different person without... Clark in her life, as we saw in Apocalypse. I'm not saying he would be in love with her. I would just say they would be hooking up. I'm not talking about anything in love. Because, quite honestly, he woke up to, to a woman named Mandy and Bambi. Which I think is a reference to something. Interested in falling in love with him. But okay, that's a sidebar. Yeah. I would just really like to see Slutty run away. I'm. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure. Just because I would think, of, I just, I just think it would be funny. Uh huh. <laughs> just. No, I would just think it would be funny because people idealize the Clark and Lana relationship. But some fans, some fans have into just, into just hear Clark Luther say, you know, I'm only interested in you because of this, and he just grabs a butt and walks away. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Yeah. Well, Clark I mean, Luther would be above doing that. What do you guys think yeah, about um, what? Yeah. What do you think about when Bizarro came? How that relationship okay. went with her? Okay. Okay. Well, I, I want to go through this in, in chronologically. Um, oh. Hit season okay, two. Go ahead. Okay. Hit season. I like how they brought them back together in season two. Yeah. I did for that one episode. With the picnic under the tree. Yes. And with that kiss in the loft. I like that. Yeah, it was sweet. It that was sweet. That screwed Chloe, though. Because, yeah. But, that, but, that's a, but that's a whole the, another issue, and you covered that already. Right. Um, I loved that whole thing with Lana, like, thinking about going. And, you know, it could have worked. It, it could have. But I don't think, you know... At this point, Lana's so screwed up in season two, I don't think she, even still, she wouldn't have gone. And here's an interesting question I want to pose to both of you guys. Okay. Do you think Lana didn't move to Metropolis with Anne now because she was in love with Clark? In season two, I would say yes. Yeah. Because why wouldn't she go? She's always wanted something bigger in her life. Absolutely. I think absolutely yes to that. Yeah, I mean, it's all because of Clark. And I think that's what hurts her when we get into season three, after he rolls off being, being hot, as we easily call it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, that's why when we get into season three, that, that's what hurts her so much. She's, she's finally opened up, because everybody knows she's in love with Clark. She's been in love with Clark ever since that one graveyard scene. 
Which I'll mention again later on. In the but pilot, you mean, right? Hurts so much. What? You mean the what one in that? the pilot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when we get into season three, it's like, okay, I want to know more about this guy. Is this the guy, the guy in the club? Is that this really him? Is this who he really is? Is that why? Is that why he's been hiding himself? Mm-hmm. And really, no disrespect to Lana, but Clark's got much bigger problems to deal with than the first couple episodes of season three. We've covered that too, so we don't need to get into that. Oh yeah, agreed. But, but through this whole thing in season three, and this goes with all the characters. Lana and Clark, Lana's confused, but she's sure about one thing. I don't want to be anywhere near this guy. I don't want to be anywhere near Clark. And which is the exact opposite for Clark. Right. The only thing that makes sense is his feelings for Lana. But he knows he's alienated. I love that one, one scene in Whisper where... He's in the truck, he's blind. he's been blinded, of course, you guys remember that? Yep. And he tries to reach for Lana's hand, Lana grabs it a little, but then she just gets up and walks away. Yeah. Ooh. That hurts. That hurts and a little bit. I totally understood the I totally understood the Paris thing. I did. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It seemed natural. Yeah, and really, I don't want to bring up this episode too much because we covered it already, but the only time you actually see Lana and Clark together and having togetherness in season three, other than the whole Adam Knight thing, but Adam Knight was trying to kill her, was that one episode Relic. Yeah. Because really, Lana doesn't want to be anywhere in their Clark. And that kind of transitions into season four, really. When I Clark think doesn't say goodbye to Lana when she goes to Paris. And with that, I think Jason was more of a rebound guy than was something someone she actually loved. I think that was more to get away with from Clark and to get Clark away from her, to be honest. Well she even says it in season four. I mean that's one of the reasons why she went to Paris in the first place. Right. Right. And really and really the only thing that brings her back is kind of because of Clark. Because Clark is connected with the Kawachi King. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, it's that tattoo on her back that she suddenly had. And honestly, if we were going by Superman continuity proper, Lana would have never returned from Paris and we would see her again maybe at the reunion in season 10, which we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I said that I think if they wanted Superman continuity, that would have been it. Like, she leaves and maybe, like, Clark falls in love with Alicia or falls in love with Chloe or falls in love with someone else. Yeah. What were you saying, Lisa Or maybe a mermaid, I don't know. What, Michael? I, I was asking what you were going to say. Yeah, sorry, I went oh. a bit of a no, 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 it's okay. You have a lot of good things to say, Wu. Um, I mean, when, I was just thinking about when she went to Paris. Paris. Mm. I have an echo. Do you guys have an echo? No. I, I hear okay, the little bit. Okay, it went away. Never mind. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, I'll ignore it then. Um, when, when she went to Paris, I think it was just a chance to get away from all the craziness. I mean, sometimes you just got to get away to clear your head. And I think she was trying to decide what she wanted to do about her relationships. Um, I mean, that was just my take on it. I mean, here she is. She's 16, 17 years old, or I guess I guess a little older by now. But she's she's got uh, feelings for Clark. Um, he's keeping secrets from her. He's going, you know, he keeps changing his personality. He's just she doesn't know what to think about all of this, and and. Um, and that's so what Paris, everybody's trying to kill her every third week. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, and she's in the hospital all the time, and Lex is a friend, but is he a friend? I mean, let's be honest, Frank. Yeah, it's, I mean, let's be honest. Like, she even mentions it in that one episode with Ben McNulty. How many people, how many media freaks have tried to kill this poor woman? Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she just doesn't I know who to trust. And really, she falls in love with Jason. She falls in love with Jason because, at least initially, Jensen Ackles looks like Clark with all without all the, you know, intimacy issues. Yeah, without all the baggage, really. Which is why he almost played Clark. True, but yeah, so did I heard Whitney. That. He was he was almost. So did Whitney. Oh, where the, now? How could they? I don't know how either of them could have up Tom Welling, but. I don't know. They were both they were both big runners up, which is why they casted them again. But I don't know. Well, I'm sorry, not to go on a, on a sidebar here, but Jensen Ackles could not like get sympathy like Tom Welling does. Right. He has the puppy dog eyes. Tom Welling does. Just the way you put, to... But the way, but the way Alan Miles wrote Clark Kent, it's very hard for you to show any kind of sympathy towards him. Well, and you would have needed him to be more emotional, especially with Jonathan, and which is something I don't know if um, Jensen Ackles could have pulled off. And that's the other thing, too. And like, I, I, I can't see that. And I say that even still being a Supernatural fan and seeing him with emotion. And I, I mean, I still say that, so. I mean, something like yeah. Tom Welling definitely does convey emotion very well through his eyes and his face. You can, you can tell what he's feeling. If you can't always sit tell what he's thinking, you know what he's feeling. And I think well, that's, that's really part important of his too. That's part yeah. of his character in the show, too. You, still, you can't tell everybody what he's feeling. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the point. And, but to get back to season four, when she comes back, and, I, and, I, and this, I love this to this day, and I don't know why, I love that Lana knows that Lois and Clark are meant to be before they mm-hmm. She definitely sees something there. Yeah, she sees it like right off the bat. I love that about Lana. That's why she likes to interrupt Bride. What? Uh, <laughs> I, I love that. I tell you one of my favorite scenes is that scene um, when Lois and Lana and Clark are all together for the first time and she and she looks at Lana and she looks at Clark and she just says really? Really? <laughs> just, you two? <laughs> yeah, that, that part really that's the characters speaking for themselves really and I love that along with like, like Lana knowing that about Lois and Clark I love that Lois 
Lois doesn't see Clark a lot of work. <laughs> well, but you know, in one thing I do, I really liked about Lois. I thought they were going to do this triangle for three with those guys. Lois, they never she did. realizes. No, they never did it. I was so happy they didn't do it. I was afraid they would do that. And, I mean, I know there were reasons other than just scripting, but um, one of, uh, what made me really like the character of Lois in this, in this version of her is once she realizes there's another relationship, she immediately backs off. She's not going to get between these two until, you oh, know, it, yeah. He's just, he's, she's not going to do it, that she's got too much character to do it. And it's obvious she and Clark are, are attracted, but she's like, you know, he's with Lana, and that's the way it is, and I'm moving on. And, um, you know, now once Lana was out of the picture, their relationship began to develop, but Lana wasn't a, a homebreaker, like Lagoon Boy. <laughs> it's true. But, no, absolutely. And I, and I think... I mean, we definitely saw Lois's attraction for Clark in season seven, I believe. Most yeah. people would say no. Even earlier than that, but, but yeah. Here's the, the here's the and I wanted to get into this. Season three and season four they're apart, Lana and Clark for the majority until the end of season four, but there is no one outside of of, of Jonathan and Martha more important to Clark than Lana Well, up, up until later. Which they even mentioned in season six, even she mentioned in season six, even if we're not speaking, you're still a big part of my life. Yeah. And I wanted to get into this, and I know it's going to make my partner mad, but I wanted to get to this to make a point. Clark didn't have to convince himself in season four like to fall in love with Alicia. He didn't. He always had to reaffirm with everybody that he's in love with Lola, in love with Lana, his dad, his mom, with Chloe. He always had to reaffirm with everyone but with Lois and Alicia, he didn't have to reaffirm anything. He didn't say, I love Alicia, I love Alicia, I love Lois, I love Lois. People knew it. You knew it. But with this, but with this, I mean, people questioned Clara. They did. And I love that Martha's always the one that questions it. Because she played a lot of that in the past. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I think, but, well, about, well, mm, mm. well, I mean, it wasn't a, well, my point of it is, it wasn't a struggle for him to fall in love with Lois, nor was it a struggle for him to fall in love with Alicia. Yeah. I mean, falling in love with Lana for Clark was like putting up pants that fit right away. Oh, yeah, sure. I don't know if he ever really loved Alicia. I think that was physical more than anything. I agree. Do you blame Mr. She was pretty. She was pretty, and she was like him, and that made him feel. That made him feel connected. Absolutely, and that's I felt my so opinion. Bad for him. I felt so bad for him, though. 
Like when he finds her dead, that is one of my most heartbreaking things I've ever seen. Well, it was the only person he could ever really talk to or relate to. Before Chloe, obviously, and his parents, but... But, but we go, go along in season four, the... the I almost called him Jensen, the Jason and Lana thing is kind of breaking apart. I love the... in the episode Blank, when Clark remembers nothing, but what's that spotlight gets on Miss Lana Lang? Mm-hmm. Birds chirping, choir singing... And I love how Chloe's like, that's Lana Lane, that's the love of your life. That was great, in blank, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I love the I love the idea when Clark, Clark runs into Lana when he has no memory. He realizes how stupid he was for breaking up with her. All right. Well, Clark's brain have- in terms of Lana has always screwed him over. Well, he doesn't know the whole story about who he is at that point either, and what all well, has Does it matter, really? But really, does it matter when you love somebody that much? Mm. I don't know. I think... Loving I mean, someone's I think a process. It depends, on what you, it depends on what you define as love. I mean, if it's something, like I said, she re- represented normal to him, and obviously he had uh, was attracted to her and had feelings for her, and the fact that his mind was blank showed that he did because, you know, without all the garbage behind him, without all the garbage in his mind, he still had these feelings for her. But you, then you have to deal with reality. I mean, would she accept him being an alien? Would she accept the fact that uh, maybe they couldn't have kids, you know? I think one of the big reasons why Klana wouldn't work, I mean, not that he would know at this point, but being a hero, Lana was a very needy character, whether, she you was. know, I mean, I know she was very needy, and nothing wrong with that, you know, she had lost her parents, she had a void she wanted to fill, and, and, that, and not to cut you off, not to cut you off, but what we see in that episode, Scared, part of Clark's, like, grief is he was kind of responsible for, his, for Lana's de- parents' death. Indirectly, but, like, yeah, like... Well, he blamed himself, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, in some ways that's true. That's the other thing, too. But I would disagree with you a little bit because, you know, there wasn't any any questioning in Season 9 with Clark that he loved Lois. He didn't, have, he didn't even have to say anything to himself. He knew he, knew he loved Lois. With Lana, he thought he, he was thinking way too much and not feeling. Yeah. And I think that's one of his main issues with Lana. He thought, actually, he thought way too much. Because I think you have a good he point. Thought, you have a good he point. thought, well, he thought, well, and to your point, he thought Lana was weak. He doesn't think that way with Lois. Lois Lane is anything but weak. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. And to get into uh, getting into the tail end of season four, going on into season five, I know people don't like Ageless, but I do, or or Forever. I but I do like that one, like the scenes with the baby and Clark and Lana. Pretty much the closest we'll ever get to them actually being happy. Yeah. 
and even that they weren't really, and th even that they weren't even really happy. They still had to deal with the kid and all his issues. And he, and he, and he still had, and they were going down memory lane and realizing that what I find funny in forever when they're going down memory lane, you guys didn't really know each other that well, and even when you did, you really didn't have any good times. So what are you reminiscing about? Mm -hmm. Like I shot you in front of me, Clark, and I was being held at the point. That's a memory you want to remember. Yeah. And but when we get into the Really, the only thing with is them saying I love you to each other and then running away. Um, getting into season five, and, and here's I'm only gonna cover one or two things in season five, and I want you guys to like chime in on this. First of all, in Hidden, I think it was when Clark and Lana first like have sex and he's he doesn't have his powers. I watched that episode on tape. How awful is that when the announcer just goes, Clark has been shot, and now back to Smallville. What? <laughs> We're all like, you, guys, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yep. Yep. I, I was just seeing them in bed together was scary to me. Mm -hmm. oh, I was like, oh. but, but it was changed into funny just when we. When we you, you first hear O'Toole's reaction, oh, we're not mad. We're not what? We're not mad. Oh, we're not mad. Please tell, tell me you were at least safe. And then Jonathan gets all tech. <laughs> that was hilarious. I think the only thing that Tom said is Chloe's reaction. Why would she be running out at 7 o'clock in the morning? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh. It was always oh. funny, the reaction of the parents, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Kent. I understand yeah. Clark's under, I love, I understand Clark's reasoning to why he was so distant to Lana after he was brought back. Because within these, like, the first couple episodes, Clark finds out about his heritage, gets stripped of his powers, almost dies, gets brought back to life. And now is being told by his father, one of one of by two of his fathers actually, that you know someone's gonna be a life's gonna be taken for your life, Callum. It's terrible. And again, he's thinking it's Lana. I can't tell Lana, Lana, who I am because. Telling them who I am, that might eventually get her killed. Which it does, in reckoning. Well, well, and I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna jump right into that, but we'll get into that here. Um, I debated this and thought about this for years, and this shows me that I'm a geek. What would have happened if they actually did kill Lana? I might have been a much happier person. I mean... Okay, okay, but beyond that, but beyond everybody's feelings about the scene Lana did, I think that would have ended the series a lot sooner than it did. Yeah, I can agree with that. Do you agree with that, Elisa Lee? 
I think, well, I think things would have moved a lot faster as far as Clark moving to Metropolis because there would have been that much to keep him in Smallville. Exactly. So my I point. think you're right. Exactly my point. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, for 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 the people that say Lana, Lana, like slowed everything down and Lana kept everything around. In a, in reality, that was kind of a good thing story wise. Yeah, in a way. Because she was the catalyst for everybody to stay where they was to to stay where they were pretty much. Hmm. But I miss Jonathan. Same. But, uh, really, I mean, I mean, but really, and I don't really blame Cheryl for Jonathan's death, because if you saw the deleted scenes in season five, you, and we all knew back from, like, the end of, or the beginning of season three, that Jonathan was not in good health. Due to Jorel. Yeah, but we knew, but we knew that jo- Jonathan wasn't in good health. Even before he put in, put that little proviso of "I brought you back to life," and because of that, someone close to you needs to die. Yeah, I think we kind of saw. Yeah, I think it. he got sick. The... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Michael. Oh, go ahead, Michael. Okay, I think we all saw Jonathan's death coming. To be honest, ever since his heart problems first started happening, I think we all saw it happening because. A lot of us who watch Smallville have seen Superman the movie, obviously, and have read comics. I mean, we—I mean, we knew it was going to happen, and we had thought it would be him who would die, but we weren't really sure. Which is why I think Reckoning was I so wasn't impactful. Shocked. I wasn't shocked either. I wasn't shocked either, but I was shocked that Lana died, and then that was changed. That's when I was. Okay, shocked. first of all, I—I I wasn't shocked. I kind of actually laughed when Jonathan died because, really, he did the exact same scene in Superman the movie. That's terrible. You are a morbid person. No, just because of that, I laughed. Not because Jonathan died, because of the way they shot him. Uh, like, really? It was at really? night. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but even, like, the way the Ken Parm looked. I know, I know, I agree. Even with the poles in the background. Yeah. I was like, really? I will say this, though. Think of what you will about Clana's relationship. That opening when he tells her who he really is and proposes to her, one of the most beautiful sh- uh, things I've ever seen. Regardless oh, yeah. if it's digital, regardless if it's, you know, too cheesy. It was great. That was fantastic. I did love that. Demon did such a wonderful job with that. Oh, yeah. I do. And I make this argument. Clark, I know, is revealing everything to Lana, and that's why he's a little unsure when he proposes to Lana. But five years later, he's sure. He's sure when he proposes to Lois. There's no doubt in his mind, but I just wanted to mention that. I agree. Um... That scene when Lana gets run over. I'm sorry, Alicia, go on. Oh, no, that's okay. I was going to say it was beautifully shot. It was very romantic. The only thing that really got me about the whole thing was um, I think they should, um, I mean, I know you can only do so much in a time period of the episode, but um, the only thing that got me is he said, I'm an alien here, marry me. (laughs) Okay, can you you give her a week or two to get used to the idea that you're an alien before you propose? But... Well, it was well, still... well, 
What's your credit? The first line he says after the teaser, he says, I gave Wanda some time to think it over. Um, she yeah. only. Well, that's true. She he only did. used the he day. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that, otherwise it was. I mean, that that was a perfect episode, anyways. Um, and but, here's the funny but, thing uh, about that, from another perspective too. Wanda, uh, Christian Kirk and Eric Durant rarely have scenes at all, at all, let alone together. And in that episode, they had a, a scene together in the tower. Which was great. Which I kind like of really funny about Clark. Which I find really funny, judging where those two would go. But that scene when Lana gets run over by the bus, the school bus, run over by the magic school bus, is it? With Miss Frizzle. That's pretty violent. Yes, there's a there's a dark '90s reference for you. Um, one of the most beautiful yet disturbing things I've seen on TV, period. Mainly because, maybe it's because I've known Model Lane for this long, but the, but the work the special effects people did on her, amazing. Oh, yeah. Because usually when people get run over on shows, it doesn't really look that bad. This looked bad. Well, if you've seen oh, she looked horrible. And if you've seen the making of the 100th episode featured on the season 5 box set, there's an extended one on the complete series one. But if I mean if you've seen Oh, is it really? Yeah, it's yeah, but I haven't seen it yet, but it says it's extended, so I have to check it out soon. But if you've seen that, they took a long time to get her in that makeup and to get her ready. Like they were really diligent and careful with what they did. And honestly, we only see her there for two minutes. Oh, yeah. But here's a question I want to throw out to you guys. Why is Clark, is Clark grieving because of his father's death mainly? Or is he really just not unsure about his relationship with Lana after his father's death? I think it's a little bit of both. I think so, too. I think so too. I agree with that. I, you know, I mean, and when uh, they tend to shut down when there's grief because they feel like they have to be the strong one and get stuff done, and you know, especially for he's the man of the house now, um, and so and honestly, that happens he, in real life. Oh yeah. Yeah, and he's got new responsibilities like when people now. Are together, like when people are together, here's what happens generally when like you're together and you're together with someone and. A person they were close to, really close to, like their like their guardian or their parent dies. They either break up, they either break up or get married, <laughs> mm -hmm. or shut down. Generally, like that's what happens. Really, like well, yeah. I mean, yeah. like as you said too, they also shut down. I mean, when my grandma died last year, my grandma or my dad was kind of that way for a little while at least. He kind of shut down. I completely understand. And you that. have to remember, Clark is still barely eighteen at this point. Right. Well, so he doesn't have it. the emotional faculties. It takes him five years to really come to grips with it. But I needed to hit on this episode in season five, the one episode where the blonde seduces him. <laughs> yeah. That was a really heartbreaking episode. Was that Oracle? I think... I don't know if it was Oracle, if it was called something else. The, the one um, 
that metahuman, that really attractive blonde woman that can like hypnotize people just by saying something? Hypnotic. Uh, I can't remember. I, I know which one you're talking yeah, about, but I can't remember yes. the name of it. Hypnotic. Oh, yes. 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 Hypnotic. Okay. Her name was Simone. That was that was a really heartbreaking episode. Just because we all knew Clark and Lana were not doing well anyway, uh, but I loved um, that scene with them at the end of the episode. First of all, I I love you know just the out and out audacity of this woman to make out with Clark in her underwear and Lana standing right there. Ooh. It is like the ultimate scummiest thing I've one of the ultimate it's like I'd expect to see that on like Melrose Place, but not on Smallville. Mm-hmm. It was I just very love nice. That. Yeah, I just love the scumminess of it. But I love that that in that episode, Clark uses that as an excuse and tells her, I don't love you anymore. Even though he's lying through his teeth. Well, he's being forced to lie. Yeah. Well, even after when the spell breaks, he lies about it. True. So moving on to the end of the fifth season, Lana is in a rage, no pun intended. And I love the line that she tells Clark, I don't know how I could ever love you. And really, that's out of anger more than anything else. It's not due to the actual not loving something. And then we go to... When she said that in Vessel. Right. But then she gets thrown into a relationship we hate even more than Clark. Lexana. 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 Mrs. Lex Luthor. For me personally, this I was not a Klana hater until this season. See, for me it was after a hundred. Oh, it was me for after a hundred, but I see what you're pulling. It was me after Clark found out the pregnancy. Like Lana just saying to Clark, Clark, just trust me. It's <laughs> like, oh my god, we've been through this. 600 times, and that was the downfall of Lana and Clark, as Professor Bailey said. In season 5 alone, they broke up 15 times, as Steve, as Steve Glosson said, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Lana and Clark broke up like 16 times over the over 22 episodes. Yeah, it but, just got to be too much. That's a record. The one good thing about Lana in season 6, though, was Promise. Yes. Yes. Where the roles actually reversed, Lana lied to Clark and told her that, told him rather that she didn't love him. I love. I did love her performance in Promise, and I really did in um, Nemesis as well. First of all, Chris and Kirk looked beautiful in that dress. What? <laughs> she did. We saw it in finale. Yes, we did. But I love that. Do you guys love it in Promise when she finds out? Not told find out, but she she does that little like swerve with Chloe and walking around a wine cellar. Because mm -hmm. I, I didn't. See, I was just gonna say. Sorry. I was just gonna say. I didn't see that coming until they showed it from her perspective later. 
Yeah, they did a really good job with that, actually. Mm-hmm. I love this. I mean, they brought Ed. Oh, sorry. I just was going to say, I love that they brought Ed and Metal back for that, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't bring back Gabe Sullivan for Chloe's wedding. Curses. Yeah, where Calm was down, he? Man. <laughs> Calm down, Well, you know, the thing about this episode, though, and I, that really kind of pointed out to me that Lana's, she's, I don't know how else to say it, it may sound kind of brutal, but she's a bit corruptible. She's, she's started out as this girl next door who, you know, everybody likes and everybody loves, and she's a tragic figure, she lost her parents, and because of all that's happened to her in Smallville, she's starting to kind of, you know, she's tired of the secrets, she's tired of the lies, she believes what everybody tells her until she's proven wrong, so she's kind of taking taking charge and finding out things for herself now and that's what she did with the cellar door she's going to find out what is up with clark no matter what and, and unfortunately and really, she puts her friend in danger actually, to do it and this actually tells into my next question do you really do you really blame her for doing what she did in that episode not completely no I'm actually surprised. I, I, I actually applauded. I was like, good for her. She's really played by the rules this whole time with Clark's secret. Well, and she's finally taking some initiative. And really, and I was going to add this too, she knows Chloe knows Clark's secret. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so her best friend's not being honest with her. The guy she's attracted to is not being honest with her for almost uh, half a decade. I'm glad you took that initiative. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm also glad, now that I'm talking about it, I, I find it kind of funny that in, season, in the latter half of season six, Lana's protecting Clark. Yes. It's very ironic. Yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't know what from, but she knows something, and that's why she marries Lex. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Elise Lee? Oh, well, I was going to say, I mean, I understand, I mean, yeah, she has taken some initiative now, but I don't know if I would have put my best friend or one of my friends in a cold wine cellar. <laughs> you know, yeah, I just, I, I don't think there's wrong? another way to, I'm sorry? Yeah, because I was going to say, what if, what if she's wrong? Yeah, I mean, and and also, I mean, if somebody's not going to be honest with you, you make a clean break and say, look, unless you can be honest with me, it's over with, or you accept the fact that they are going to have some secrets. Um, Yeah, in the way my mind works, I guess I always compare her with Lois. Where Lois is one, you know, once she understands there's a secret, she's like, okay, well, whatever. When they're ready to share it, they'll share it with me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and that's in personal relationships. In her reporting, she's different. She goes for the truth and the justice. But in personal relationships, she would never put Chloe in a. I just can't picture Lois doing that, I guess, is what I'm saying. And like I say, I compare the two. So um, I understand a lot. Of- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And that's the reason why I wanted you on for this episode was because that was, that's been debated for years on the show mm-hmm. between was that 
But I mean, she was there. She could have always let Chloe out. But, but I mean, I don't know. It's just it seems like it seemed like a very Luther thing to do to me. Yeah, and that's why I don't really think that it's really ethical. And I understand it, but again, I really don't. I'm really not on board with it. And that's why we wanted you on here because I wanted a female perspective to talk about a relationship once again. But when we get to the end of season six and she knows everything and she fakes her death and she comes back um i wanted to touch when we're getting into season seven i wanted to touch on one particular episode and that's rat when she gets the superpowers mm-hmm. when rana gets the superpowers this actually re- reveals what you just mentioned from problems she yells at Clark and tells Clark pretty much how stupid he's been for like the last seven years. Mm-hmm. And she now realizes maybe it was a good thing that Clark and I never got together because she finds this out in the Warrior Angel episode when that one guy kidnaps her for like the 800th time. Um, she's in Clark's way. She's always been in Clark's way. But she wants to help people. In wrath? Well, not in wrath so much as later on. Yeah, later on. Well, I think... Yeah, I think she just... she. Clark has had these powers for so long, and he's had the moral compass of his parents to tell him what to do with it. She's never had that, and all of a sudden she's got this power, and she's angry at Lex, and she's angry at all that's happened to her. And so she's not on the quest for justice. Yeah, yeah, she's she's just she's not she's not on the path of justice like Clark or Superman would be. She's out for revenge. And I think that's a side of her that Clark had never really seen before. Well, we see that with. Um, and, and I was gonna oh, say we. Go re- ahead, go ahead, Michael. We we really see that too in Bride with her and Oliver. With yes, their scene, do. because she is going yeah. to kill Lex. Period. But I'm but I'm going to go devil's advocate here. Everybody's manipulated Lana to the, up to that point where she gets the superpowers. I understand why Lana's like that. I don't condone her actions, but I understand where she's coming from. Lionel manipulated her. Lex manipulated her. Clark manipulated her. And now she's got power in her hands that she's never had before. Yeah, I understand that to an extent, but like you said, it still doesn't condone her actions. Not even close. But I will mention in Rav, I have to mention in Rav, the earthquake sex scene, and that's where I'm going to end it. (laughs) (laughs) The breaking of the bed? Yes. Chloe freaking out. Not the breaking of the bed, the tremors. Rav's small little. Don't remind me. Don't remind me. I do love the the scene at the end of that episode. They finally... Lana and Clark finally actually have an honest discussion now that she knows everything about why Clark has acted like Lana's protector for so long. And Lana's actually quite offended by Clark's reasoning. Did you guys love that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, 
she thinks she can take care of herself and do these things, but she just can't, Nemo. But I'm going to ask Elisa Lee. I'm going to ask Elisa Lee. If a, if a guy told you that, would you, would if you were... Would you have responded the same way Lana did? Would, he, would you have been offended by that? I'm trying to remember exactly what he said. Well, he's he says like he said in like I'm not gonna quote him word for word, but he said in that episode, "It's my fault. All this stuff, bad stuff, has happened to you. If I wasn't better at protecting you, none of this would have happened." Would, would you have been offended by that? Um, I don't know if I would have been offended. I would have been, um, you know, you're not responsible for everything. It's like a child who's, who blames themselves for their parents' uh, divorce. You know, it's not the child's fault, but the child thinks that the world revolves around him, and so it must be his fault that his parents are divorced. Well, Clark, the world doesn't revolve around you, you know? I mean, uh, yeah, some things have happened that are out of your control, but... Um, and as a result of your, you know, your spaceship coming here, but that doesn't mean you're responsible for all the bad that happens in the world. You can't fix everything. And I don't know if that's what said to him. And that's what yeah, Lana told him. And I, I remember that scene. Just because finally they actually get to talk about That's why I remember that scene so well. They actually have an honest discussion for the first time in the series history. <laughs> and, and he has saved her quite a few times, but, you know, it's... Um, all that's happened, I mean, she's made choices too, and that have led her to where she is. I think um, I was reading, like I said, I was doing research, and somebody said Lana is her, where she is as a result of Clark and Lex's decisions. Well, no, she's made decisions too that has put her in danger. And yeah, you know, no one, no one told, no one made her when she got the Kryptonian abilities to go kill Lex. Yes, that was her decision, and, you know, oh, yeah, I remember that, that was, I remember when I realized that, that shocked me, I was stunned when it was her that did that. And again, sure I wasn't I was, applauding, I wasn't applauding, but I understood it. Yeah, and she's got a lot of anger. She's got a lot of anger. Her parent, from the first time, from when she saw her parents killed by that, you know, the meteorite to, you know, I, um, I don't know if Clark is so much, um, I mean, he's lied to her, but I don't think he's um, manipulated her, but Lex definitely has, and Chloe has, and, you know, maybe she's not, just like all these... Maybe people. not directly, but Chloe and Clark did manipulate her somewhat. They had yeah. to, but, I mean, you have to take a flu shot every year or you're going to get sick. It doesn't mean it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and their manipulation was always for her behalf. It was to keep her safe, but it was still manipulation. And so after a while, when you feel like you can't trust anybody, what do you do? You know? You turn to Lex Luthor. I guess. Going into the bizarre arc, because I wanted to get into that, oh, a couple more things I wanted to touch in on. What happens with Bizarro in, in um, Persona really really like that's the beginning of, of the end of their relationship forget because that's more of like a tangible thing this is the beginning of their relationship or the end of it i should say the beginning of the end when she admits that she was more 
in love with Bizarro, then Clark. That really does screw up their relationship. I mean, they don't really, of course, because of the writer's strike, too, but, you know, they don't really rebound from that at all. Well, he had been gone a month. That's what makes it worse. And Lana didn't know. Lana had no clue. Which makes it even worse. Yeah. And if I don't know if she would have cared if she did know. I mean, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just think she had finally found what she needed in Bizarro. I mean, he was attentive to her. He met her needs. I mean, like I said, she's a needy person, and, and not in a bad way. She's just somebody who, who latches on to a man and sort of, you know, tries, try, she's trying to find what will fulfill her, and the Bizarro did in a way. He, he, I think he really loved her. I think he, not to go on a, on a different way here, but look at Lana in season three. She's dull as, she's dull as dirt, to your point, if she's not with someone. Yeah. Yeah, she, so, she just to seemed to have to, to. Yeah, to your point, look at Lana in season three. Look at Lana in season, like, you know, part of season two. She's dull as dirt. I mean, do you agree, Penny? Because we kind of covered this. Do you think Henry Small was just put in there just so they didn't have another like, relationship for Lana to be in? To, uh, That's why they introduced Henry Small. I think absolutely yes. I mean, as you guys were even talking about that, and you were saying about season two, the whole entire time I was thinking, well, what about the Henry Small arc? And I think you're exactly right. I think that was put in there because they didn't know what else to do at the point at the yeah. time. I mean, Lana, Lana is a character that's driven by people that she needs around. Kind of like Lex. Yep. When, when Lana's by herself, she's at her best. Which is kind of like the opposite of Chloe. Chloe's at her best when she's not with Ava. Well, Chloe becomes obsessive when she's not with anyone. Yeah. As we saw in but, her high school years and in season nine. Yeah. But um. A little bit of eight. Going back to seasons, going back to season seven because I did want to hit on this. After she gets like deep brain effect eyed so to speak, one of the best scenes in Smallville history in Arctic with the DVD goodbye video. As much as I was happy to see the relationship go, it really did make me sad. Because and at the time of watching... To, that goes to Mr. Willen. Oh, absolutely. That goes to Tom Well, and Erica Durant as well. With her coming in. But... To be honest, at that point, watching the show live, I thought she was gone, period. I didn't think they were going to bring her back at all. I thought she was done, yeah. and it was going to move on. And to be honest, I was happy. Even before the writer's But I was sad. Even before the writer's strike, let me ask you this. Rewatching season seven, or watching season seven for the first time, did you really think Lana was going to continue after season seven? No, because I didn't see any need. She had been with Lex, she had yeah, been with Clark. Before, even before the goodbye video, like, I didn't see the need for Lana. Well, right, I mean, but she had been with Lex knows, and Clark. She wasn't going to be with Jimmy. Yeah, she knows Clark's secret. Next. Exactly. She knows Clark's secret. Next. Well, that's kind of how it is in the Shaggy. comics, too. Shaggy. <laughs> Shaggy. Yes. No, absolutely. Do you, do you feel the same way, Elisa Lee? 
Yeah, her usefulness had gone way past what it should have been. I mean, I don't. I think a lot of things happen because of contracts, and you know, she signed a contract, so she was going to be there the next year. And what do we do with her? You know, and I think they finally realized that it was pretty much at the end of the rope there, um, as far as uh, what she could do for the character, um, as far as what she could do for Clark. And Lois was in the picture, and he, he was developing his relationship with her a little bit more. It was time for her to. Go and I, I thought the Which way is, she went was kind of cowardly, but then they showed that she was forced to do it. But but, um, it, was, but it was right for the character, though. It was I think right so too. for the character. It was right for the char character for the video, which is why I'm to this day, to this day, I'm still in a mixed bag about the arc of suck, as everybody likes to call it. <laughs> yeah. There was some good. I mean, there were some good episodes when she wasn't in it, but um, I think they did it right to bring back a couple of things. First of all, to show I think it showed how she was not right for him. I don't like the way it ended. I think it should have been a mutual parting instead of oh, you were kryptonite ridden and I can't touch you. I agree. But I think there was so much in those episodes that showed why they cannot be together and why Lois is okay, better for him. Okay, two things about this, and then we'll go into our last thing. If she had only come back in Bride and said that little monologue, because that, that is one of my favorite Connaissons ever is in the log in Bride, when she says in that, like, I don't know why she's wearing leather to a wedding, but this is another story. Um, when she says to him, you know, neither of us could admit it, but maybe Clark Kent and Lana Lang just weren't meant to be together or end up together. Well, I'm sorry. I love that. I'm sorry. The season seven ending with that relationship is the definitive one for me. The one in season eight made oh, no sense, and it felt forced, and I did not like it. I agree with Elisa Lee completely. It felt but forced, I and line. I didn't like it. Oh, absolutely. The line, line should have been in season seven. The line was great. It should have been in the video. But they should have yes. they should have expounded upon that in their final breakup scene in Requiem. They sh she should have said, it's not just because of the kryptonite, it's because it's not going to work. She should have Here's the thing about that. Requiem. Here's the thing about Requiem. First of all, power made Lana look weak and strong at the same time, which I had no idea one could do that and could do that so, so well, and I don't mean well in a good way. <laughs> but in terms of there being a team I knew was going to last, that was horrible. But like I, like Derek Russell said on shoot, that was one of the most scummiest Lex Luthor things to have done. Well, it's a complete Lex Luthor thing to do. I loved it. I and did too. Here's the point I'm getting to. The last scene in the lot. Look at how Clark's sitting in the loft after Lana says goodbye. If you watch really closely, he looks exactly like the, that in the pilot when he first is bedeviled by Lana's kryptonite necklace. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great full circle on that. Absolutely. Great full circle on that. Um, one more thing. In my mind, and this is just my mind. 
And yes, I'm going to be a little dramatic here. Shocking, I know, coming from me. <laughs> In my Go mind, the way I would have, the, the way I would have written it, video, I don't see you for four years, and then or five, or, or yeah, four years or something like that, and then, Clark, um, I didn't know you were going to be at the Yes. Agreed. If you were going to bring Lana back, then with even the future with Brainiac 5, how awesomely hilarious and awkward would those scenes be with Lana and Lois? That would have been amazing. The whole dynamic of, the whole dynamic of we both know, but we don't, we're not sure if the other one knows, and why did they break up? And are they, to, are they together? Or is she going to get back together with him? Why didn't you bring her in? Good point. Well, because of the kryptonite suit, obviously. But I, I know. I think. I, I think well, though, will one saving grace. Of, I was. I was going to say. Okay, go on. I was going to say. I think if you would have done that, you would have taken away. From Brainiac trying to teach Clark the lesson of him inspiring people with Greg Ark and the Bug okay. Boy. And, and to your point, and at least Leo, let you chime in after I say this. Um, we did have Lana in the episode, but I do like how they, they being Brian and Kelly, mentioned Lana and realized why Lois and Clark are different and really Clark's problem with relationships. When he says in that line in the gym, after what happened with Lana, I closed myself off, but I realize now I can't be that way with Lois if I truly love her. Mm -hmm. Which is why having her in the episode I think would have hurt it more than helped. To be honest. Yeah. It would have made Lois and Clark's story and it needed to be Clark's story. Absolutely. I don't think she should have been there. I think what the way it, it was one of those episodes that I think was perfect the way it was. Um, I mean, to have her mentioned would have been, I mean, to have her not be mentioned would have been unrealistic, but um, I, I the fact that she is mentioned and the fact that it is shown how it is different. First of all, Lois and Clark are more mature. They've got a mature relationship. Um, Clark and Lana had that immature puppy. Well, I don't want to say puppy love, but it was it was where they were, they weren't really sure of who they were and within themselves. Clark wasn't a hundred percent sure who he was supposed to be, and I don't think Lana ever figured out who she was supposed to be until even that very ending of of Requiem. Um, but who knows what happened after that with her? But. The, Lois knows who she is. I mean, and let's face it, from the moment she's on screen, I mean, yes, she learns and she changes, you know, she, she matures, but Lois is Lois is Lois. Clark, he's, I don't know, he, I just, I felt like that episode was so perfect about him discovering what, who he was going to be and what was within himself and what his future held for him and how good it was going to be. But to throw Lana into that would have just, it wouldn't have served any purpose except just to have the return of Lana, you know. And to your, it, point, it, and to your point, it's a good thing that Lois was a couple, year older, a couple year, years older than Chloe and Clark. 
I think if so. If we were the same age, that wouldn't have worked. I think so. so part so. of Rose's uh, character wouldn't have worked. I don't know. I mean, I think Lois would have. I mean, I, I think her having having her older doesn't hurt. But I, I just, I never really thought about it one way or the other. I just Lois to me is who she is, and she's going to be upfront with you about it. And um, she just, she, um, I don't know. I just, I feel like she's a stronger character for Clark, you know, slash Superman, no matter what her age is. You might be right, but I just never thought about it. Okay, I'm going to bottom line it right here, and you guys can bottom line it as well after I say this. What I like about Clark and Lana, which is not much, but what I love about this is this is a perfect example in not just comic book history, but relationships in general, and I'm going to be a little philosophical here, so bear with me, about two people like you mentioned it just now being in puppy love and trying to translate it into adult relationship love both people trying but realizing that that's not possible because beyond puppy love or beyond a slight attraction there really isn't much substance there as, as opposed to something like Clark or I mean Ollie and Chloe or Lois and Lois and Clark. That's just the way I see it. These are two people that were that liked each other, loved each other in a high school way, but to transfer that into a thirty-five year marriage, I'll always be there for your romantic way. No. Woo, you're giving That's my hopes up. That's how I Woo, you're giving my hopes up. I, I wasn't judging on. I'm just saying that that's that's it. That, that happens sometimes with people when they fall in love in high school. Not always, but when but when you have more mystery and uncertainty more than honesty, because that's really what it boils down to. Part of the reason why they were attracted to each other is because they really didn't know all about each other, Clark and Lana. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Clark didn't know. Lana had this anger within him, or Lana had this anger within her, and Lana didn't know, obviously, all about Clark's Kryptonian heritage, mm -hmm. and it just muddies everything up when Clark himself didn't know all about himself, Oh yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. Understand. Anything, 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 like, different that... Uh, you guys want to add that I didn't mention before? Alicia Lee, you can go first if you have something. Um, oh, okay. Um, yeah, um, one of the things I really got from watching Lana, she, I, she was a good person, basically. I never hated the character or the actress. But the relationship, I mean, even though I knew it wasn't going to work out, I, I didn't need Lois to know that. I didn't need to know what his future was to know that that relationship wasn't going to work because I think she was always this little girl searching and he wanted norm normalcy. And for Clark, that's never going to happen. For her, she has to grow up and deal with real life. Now, yeah, and um, I think they had gotten into a rut 
which is explains maybe season eight a little bit, the Arkasak. They got they saw each other, so well let's give it one more try. And Clark to be who he's gonna be to fulfill his quote destiny, he can't have Lana because she's this needy person, even with powers. He can't have a clingy woman with him. He's got to have a Lois Lane who has her own life, who has her own goals, because he's not going to be there for dinner all the time. He's not going to be there for breakfast all the time. And Lana needed that. I think the episode um, Persona really showed me who she was. That was the first time I really liked her until the end, until she killed Bizarro. I hated her then, but I, I did. I was like, you idiot. This is what you want, and you're destroying I mean, he was a bad guy, and he had to go, but, but I mean, that was the first time I really, because before I didn't know what she was wanting, because she was attaching herself to every guy, and then she was kind of defining herself by that guy, from uh, Whitney to Lex to Clark, I mean, when she, what did she do for Clark? She tried to be powerful like him, because she figured that's how she would be the person he needed to be, instead of, instead of really assessing herself and who she was, and what she needed. And she was just, I think you were right, where they were thinking about it too much instead of, you know, and trying to work it out. It shouldn't be that hard to work out your relationship. I guess relationships have worked, but it shouldn't be a drama every single day. Nobody can live with that. And Superman has enough. I'm sorry? Even in a drama, you can't have drama like that every single week. It's, yeah. People, people will call hogwash on it. Absolutely, absolutely. And especially for Superman, who has drama in his uh, Superman life. You know, Clark, he's Superman. He's going to be saving people. He's going to, he needs to be able to have, um, I don't know if Lois would be considered normal, but she, he needs to come on to someone who understands what he's doing. And Lois is that, and Lana is not. Um, to, your Lana, point, to your point. To your point, I'm going to add to that point, sorry to cut you off, but That's you okay. mentioned Lana wants a normal life. Clark realizes when, soon after he goes through his training that normal is not going to be in the cards for him at all. And Lois is okay with that because Lois isn't normal. Yeah, and you know what? I think Clark is... Even though he thinks he wants a normal life, I don't think that's really who he is. He, it's, it was in season ten. It was one of the last episodes. He says, "I know who I am now." I mean, I, the Hallelujah chorus was in my head when he said that. Hallelujah, you know, this is who you are, and you're not fighting it anymore. And Python. Um, yeah, it just, I just, I expected the Hallelujah chorus to come on, and Lois was totally, yes, I'm with you. Let's go for it. Let's do it, and. Um, Oh, what is else in my notes here? Hold on. Um, what you know, normalcy in a normal in a not normal world, and that's just not going to work, especially with a yeah. not normal guy. Yeah, and um, she was very sweet. She's a good friend. She loved him, and he loved her. But um, they're not what they needed. Yeah. And um, you know, they had to part ways. That I guess that's really all I have to say about it. Um, Oh, oh, I did have one more else thing to say. One of the things that really made me love Lois so much was in Crossfire. When she breaks, when she, um, that's the episode where she's trying to get that morning show uh, gig and um, she ends up on a date with Oliver. And Oliver's wanting to get back together. And 
she knows that's not going to work. She's absolutely not, no. And so what she does is she pulls him aside and she says, I love you as a friend, Oliver. That's it. I'm for Clark. And I was like, you know, with Lana, it was like, well, I kind of have feelings for Clark and I kind of have feelings for Lex. And I'm kind of dating this guy over here. I don't know what I feel. I don't know what I want. Lana, Lois is down the line. This is it, buddy. You're, you know, we're friends. Okay. Yeah. And it reminds you a lot of something like she's a big girl. <laughs> So good. Oh, I don't know what's going on. Can you hear me? Yeah. Do you want to some? What you? Oh, hold on. My my hold on. My headphones just went crazy. Hold on. While 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 we're going through that, Teddy, do you want to say what you think about Clara overall? I enjoyed it for the first, I think, 100 episodes. I think it was realistic. I think it broke apart, mainly because Lana didn't really know what she wanted, like you guys said. She And she was a clingy person. And I personally have a friend who is very clingy and has gone through boyfriends because she just needs someone to be there for her all the time. And I think that's what Lana was. I mean, first it was Whitney, then it was Clark, then it was... Adam, then it was Clark, then it was Jason, then it was Clark, then it was Lex, Jason. then it was Clark. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, that's what it was. And it was always someone... Making a lot of like, sound like a bimbo. Well, I mean, in some cases, she was. And I don't mean that to be mean, feminist, sexist, whatever. <laughs> I don't. It, it It's true. And if you don't believe me, go rewatch the series. But my point is... <laughs> My, I mean, my main point is, Lana was not the person Clark needed. Lana was someone who needed someone with her all the time to hold her hand through every step. Clark needs someone who can let her, let him go and embrace his destiny, and still be there for him when he comes back. And that's what Lois is. And I think Honestly, that's why Clark didn't before. work. What? Honestly, we, and we've said this before. We said it twice actually. Lana was always the girl to help Clark reaffirm in Clark that he's more normal than he actually think he, thinks he is, and that's his, and that's her purpose. I agree, and I think you see sometimes that. Go ahead. Oh, sometimes it's playing the Chloe character, being like the confidant, but with Chloe there. That her job is to make sure that Clark feels normal and move out of the way for Lois. Yeah. And I'm sorry to be that blunt about it, but it's true. Well, absolutely. Yeah. To um, be to be honest. Silly, are you still there? Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Go yeah, my on, headphones just went Huh? Go, go on, Teddy. Go on, Teddy. Oh. I, I was just going to say, and to be honest, Lana, Lois, and Chloe all really did push Clark into becoming Superman in their own right. Only one of them was right for him. Yeah. But the other two are just as vital to his origin, now especially, than even Lois is. And I think that's something that needs to be translated in the comics, especially with Chloe. But... I don't see that happening as of yet, obviously, but, I mean, really, Smallville is the definitive 
Superman origin story. It really is. It takes a long time, but it is. And really, the only origin story, or the only really, like, Superman canon where Ronald Wayne is actually showcased. Well, not only that, but it also characterizes Clark so well, and you relate to him more than any other version of the origin I've ever seen, maybe besides Man of Steel. Yeah. Um, wow, we've talked almost, like, north of two hours here. Um, Lisa, are you still there? Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, yeah, I'm still here. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, she's very important to the, to the uh, history of Smallville. And as far as what you said, Michael, as far as uh, us relating to Clark, I mean, I mean, how many times have you read the comic, the season 11 comic, and even though he's in the Superman suit, you call him Clark? Oh, every time. You know, yeah, he's, he's Clark to us. And the fact that we can relate to him is why we read the comic. And um, Smallville had some missteps, but, you know, it's even if you hated or loved Lana or you hated or loved the relationship, um, you know, you can find good and bad things about any relationship. And it was, you know, it, it, was, it was an important part of its history. Yeah. Well, Lisa, we always bring in the good points because you brought up another good point just now. I think Smallville is the only instance where, where I call Clark, where I call Superman Clark more than I call him Superman. Agreed. Yeah. And Agreed. of course there's missteps. I will say even like Christopher Nolan's Batman has missteps. Oh, yeah. A pox on you, sir. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Rachel Dallas? And I'm talking about missteps like the dark voice, the yeah, needing to that. be really gritty all the time. Rachel Dawes. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And that thing, but we need to wrap this up because we're getting really long here. Um, my Twitter name is at WSK9002 at WSK9002. What is our Across the Airwaves Twitter, Mr. Petty? It is at Across Airwaves. There's no the in there, just at Across Airwaves. My personal Twitter is at MJPetty7. If you want to give me a shout out, please mention Retro Views if you want me to follow you back. And that is at MJPetty7. Lisa Lee, would you like to give out yours? or? Oh, sure. Um, I'm at AlisaLee at Twitter.com, and check out Across the Airwaves. They've got good stuff, good reviews, and, um, you know, I, I wouldn't miss it. I keep listening to you guys every time you put something up. They also do the DC Nation um, uh, reviews, the only one on the net, so check out. And also check us out on our Google Plus pages and our Facebook pages. Hopefully over the summer, Nico... Dan, Teddy, and I will will break down a schedule of what we're going to do because I think there's a lot of new content that's going to come next year that we want to cover. So we keep progressive that we will converse over the summer to see what we're going to do. Um, our email is at a, across the airwaves at gmail.com, correct, sir? Correct. And what is the phone number? 
The voicemail number for Across the Airwaves is 1773-809-3363. That is 1773-809-3363. And if you call the voicemail to leave us a message, specify either that you're leaving it for Michael and Wu or for Retro Reviews. And finally, on the next Across the Airways Retro Reviews, um, we are going to, myself, Michael J. Petty, and Dan Schmidt, and I'm going to invite you, Elise Lee, if you can make it. We are going to, we are going to list the top five, our, our top five, the best of the best. Greatest Smallville episode ever in our view. There's no restrictions. There's no season. What do you think is the top five best episodes of Smallville ever? No restrictions. No writers. It could be in the same season. It could all be in the same season. No restrictions. None. That's a lot to cover, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, one thing about podcasting, I can't see, we can't see who's talking first. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it sounds like fun. It sounds like fun. It will be a blast. I'm, I'm going to write up a list. I'm going to write up a list. Penny, I think, is going to write a list. Um, Dan definitely is going to write a list. Melissa Lee, if you're available to be on with us, I suggest you write a list. Because I've changed my list like five times. <laughs> Top five, you said? Top five. Yes, I've changed it five times. Because I'm rounding it to five. I don't want this top ten because that makes it a little... First of all, it would take too long. Secondly, I want people to really think about this because the best of the best. And we're gonna, I know it's going to drop a lot of controversy. And we're going to go from our fifth favorite to our first favorite. Yes. Yes. And if, oh, and I, I, another proviso, if we have the same episode, we'll talk about it at the same time. Yes. Like if both of us have like um, Rosetta or something, I'm just using that as an example. I'm going to tell you right now, Justice is my number one, as we all know, so. That's, that doesn't shock me at all. I will tell you right now, you will be shocked by my list. By your number one or your list in general? My list that I omitted. Yeah. I there are there are episodes that you will be shocked that I put on there, and I'll explain to you why. Um. Wow. Two and a, two hours and fifteen minutes, guys. Two hours and ten by the recording. Yes. Um. Well, do you want to say we have eyes here? Yeah, um, for our Across the Airwaves members, Dan Schmidt and Nico Reichstag, I'm your host, Michael J. Pye. With me is my co host, and with us is our special guest host, Alisa Lee. It's been fun, guys. Thank you for inviting me. Anytime. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. And until next week, guys, we will catch you on the airwaves. See ya, take care, have a great week.
Yeah.